Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's up, guys? The week number 12 preview for our beloved Chicago Bears heading up to Minneapolis to take on the Minnesota Vikings. And since we played these teams or played this team uh, when we were both one and four going into week number six, they have won five of six, and we have lost two of six, or won two of six uh, since then. So, because we were one and four, we are three and eight. So, yeah, that's that's a two and four record. They were one and four. They are six and five. So they've gone five and one uh, since they uh, since they played us in Soldier Field, or including uh, when they played us and. Uh, that one loss just came this past Sunday against the Broncos uh, on a, on a last minute touchdown pass from uh, Wilson, Russell Wilson to uh, Cortland Sutton. So they could very well be six and zero as well. So interesting matchup we have, and of course, as I've been talking about since the schedule came out, I'm not going to be able to watch the uh, game, or at least I don't think I will be, um, because um, I'm going to the last uh, Chicago Kiss show uh, forever. And I'm um, going on Monday night when the game is going to be played. Uh, right now, there is a slight chance I might miss the show because uh, Paul Stanley, one of the frontmen of the band, has fallen ill uh, with a flu. They canceled last night's show on Wednesday, or excuse me, on Tuesday, or so two nights ago on Tuesday, and then last night's show on Wednesday. Their last two Canadian shows were canceled because he uh, fell ill. Uh, with the flu, they have uh, they're back in the states for the last few shows before New York City next weekend. You guys don't care about this, but I do very deeply because if he cancels tomorrow's show uh, on Black Friday in Tennessee, or God forbid Sunday's uh, Saturday show in Indianapolis, I'm starting getting very nervous about whether or not he's going to show up for Chicago on Monday. It's like he may just cancel what's left to save up his strength for those last shows in New York City next weekend on December 1st and 2nd. So fingers crossed, knocked on wood. If any of you love me even a little bit, say a prayer that Larry will get to go and see Kiss one last time because I've only been waiting eight months. I've had tickets since March when they went on sale. So, yeah, I've had tickets for eight and a half months waiting for this show uh, to come. So God help me if they cancel it because they're not going to reschedule it. Next, Next Friday and Saturday in New York, those are the last two shows ever. So... Yeah, let's just hope they do it. So, oh boy. Anyway, we're here to talk about the Bears, believe it or not. And uh, so let's go ahead and get this thing started. This is the Week 12 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Week number 12, the second third of the season comes to a close on Monday, when the Bears and the Vikings uh, bump heads on Monday Night Football, the Bears' one and only Monday Night game of the season. So, of course, that's when it had to be. It had to be on that particular uh, Monday. 
And for those of you who will be like, how is the NFL supposed to know? The dates were announced before the schedule was released. They had two months. They had two months. So don't give me any of your shit, all right? The NFL should know. The dates were released. They should know. It's like no Bear fans are going to miss the show. <laughs> so we can't play the Bears on, in Minnesota on Monday the 27th in November. Can't happen. They had time. So I don't want to hear it. Anyway, Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman is going to be joining us here in a few moments. Uh, we we taped the um, interview on Wednesday. Um, so this was before we had a chance to watch uh, Green Bay beat the tar out of the, the Lions today. I'm hoping that the Lions would be able to, uh, you know, I don't know, recreate the same magic that they had against the Bears uh, last week because it started out pretty much the same way. But, uh, no, there was no magic because the, uh, the Packers actually, you know, decided to play for 60 minutes uh, on, uh, on on Thursday. So, today, I should say. So, yeah. But, um, you know, it was uh, interesting uh, watching that game uh, this afternoon. Um, watching the, the Packers pretty much take the Lions apart, much like the Bears did for that first big chunk of the game, which is to mean, which is to say almost all of it. And then, you know, watching them kind of watching them piss it down their leg for the last uh, four minutes. And I, I give Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson a lot of credit because they went out of their way to not mention the bears. And what I mean is they didn't mention the bears by name during the broadcast, but they brought up, how the Lions came back, had a historic comeback. Uh, but Kevin Burkhardt kept saying they had three minutes when it was four. So he kept saying, you know, they 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 you know scored 17 points in, in three minutes. No, they didn't. They, it, it was in four. But, you know, all right. But it's like they went out of their way, I say, against the Bears. Or the Bears gave up this. Or it was more the Lions did that, and they did not mention the Bears. But every Bear fan watching that game felt a slap in the face every time they mentioned it. It's like, okay, man, we get it. They had a miraculous comeback on, on Sunday. Can we move on now, please? So, but, yeah. So but they, they, there was no miraculous comeback for the Lions today. Uh, which screwed me because I w- I put all 16 points in my confidence pool on the Lions winning the game uh, on Sunday. The Cowboys just did me right. That game just wrapped up a few minutes ago. They beat the unholy hell out of uh, Washington by 35 points, 45 to 10, I believe was the final score uh, there. And we'll see how the uh, 49ers handle the uh, Seahawks, but the Seahawks are banged up. Geno Smith, Kenneth Walker, they're all playing hurt if they're even playing. Uh, tonight, so hopefully the 49ers uh, handle business, and I can be two and one on Thanksgiving. But it's like, man, that that Lions one, I really pissed off about that. So to hell with Detroit, man, and have a talk with Jeremy Reisman when we see him again in a couple weeks because we play him again right after the bye. So anyway, let's go ahead and dive into the uh, news and notes. Mike Singletary, Samurai himself, two-time Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, the middle linebacker for those historic uh, Bear defenses in the 80s, uh, says that Justin Fields is the quarterback to take the Bears to the next level. He just said this in an interview with the uh, SB Nation Windy City Gridiron uh, site. He said, before you even begin to talk about the skill, before you talk being able to read defenses and what have you, 
He has the heart of a champion, Samurai said. I could see that while he was in college. What they, the Bears, got to do is they've got to surround him with the talent to go out there and execute, but there's no doubt in my mind Justin can be the guy to take the Bears to the next level. And, uh, yeah, you know what? The, the endorsements of Justin Fields just keep rolling in, and these aren't guys that are just you know blindly rooting for the Bears because they used to play for us or whatever. Brian Urlacher said it. Lance Briggs said it. Now the, the greatest linebacker of them all, uh, in, in, well, among those three, I should say. Mike Singletary said it. I never really heard what Dick Butkus had to say. Unfortunately, he passed away, so I guess we'll never know. But, uh, you know, I'm sure that he would would uh, vote in the, uh, in the Justin Fields pool. And, you know, and it makes a lot of sense that Singletary and even Briggs and Urlacher, especially them, uh, would endorse a guy like Justin Fields because the first thought that they probably had was like, if we had a guy like him, on our team, we'd have won. We'd have, we'd have run out of fingers for all the Super Bowls. We'd have won with Justin Fields helping out the offense to go along with those unstoppable defenses that we had with Briggs and Erlacher and especially with Samurai. You know, it's like yeah, Fields gets banged up from time uh, to time, but uh, I think he's been in a lineup a hell of a lot more than Jim McMahon uh, was uh, back in the day. So. So, yeah, maybe this is a little bit more of a personal perspective thing. Like if we had that guy with us in, in, in our day, then, yeah, that we would have that would have run out of fingers for all the Super Bowls we'd have won. But anyway, another fun list that the uh, Windy City Gridiron put out, uh, put together was 10 things Bear fans should be grateful for in 2023. And we'll go quickly through the list. Number 10, Cole Komet. I concur. He's a stud. And uh He's really, really developing. He's gotten better every single season, and uh, he's really developing to one and one of the best tight ends. Uh, he's not the flashiest guy, as far as you know, making all the dynamic catches and everything. But he's a complete uh, tight end. He can block. He can make great catches. He gets open. You know, he's uh, fantastic. He should be a Pro Bowler at some point. If not this year, then I definitely think next year he should be on the list. Because who in the NFC at tight end is having a better season than him? right now you know maybe tj hawkinson sam laportas doing very very well uh you know george kittle has the name recognition but is he lighting it up like uh you know as well as as cole Komet is because the other thing like i said he's not flashy so you don't really notice what his stats are cole Komet's got some sexy numbers so he's in at number 10 uh number nine is a developing defensive line okay montez sweat comes in he's he's been making an impact because of the the pressure that he's causing is making it easier for everyone else uh, with them. Andrew Billings uh, is is a monster. We're seeing great things from Zach Pickens and Gravon Dexter. It was Dexter that got his hand on the ball for that interception for Tremaine Edmonds uh, on on Sunday. You know, and uh, you know Yannick Ngakwe is really kind of you know really leaning into having sweat on the other side of him uh, as well. So it's been a good thing that the uh, the defensive line has kind of really been stepping up these last couple of weeks. We really could use them getting a few more sacks and turning those pressures into hits and uh, into actual sacks and everything, but they are starting to come along. Number eight, an eye for undrafted free agents. Can't argue there. Jack Sanborn last year, Tyson Bajent uh, this year, and there have been others, uh, you know, undrafted free agents. Uh, but in two years under Ryan Poles, we've gotten two starters out of the UDFA uh, group, you know, or at at the very least, 
a starter in Sanborn and our, our long-term backup in, uh, in Tyson Bajan. And uh, that, you know, God forbid Fields goes down again, no one's going to lose any sleep over Bajan being in there like we have as Bear fans for so many years with the various, uh, you know, backups we've had uh, over the years. So uh, they're coming in at number eight. Number seven is the running game because it seems that whomever we plug in there, uh, we do a good, great job of, of coaching those running backs up and uh, opening holes for them. Uh, you know, Deontay Foreman made us uh, not really miss um, Khalil Herbert uh, when he was gone. Roshan Johnson is developing nicely. He was our he wasn't our leading rusher, but he was our best running back on Sunday. Five yards a carry on six carries against the Lions. So of course we don't give him anymore. He had six carries for thirty yards. Uh, on Sunday, so of course we didn't give him the ball much more uh, than that. But uh, you know, Deontay Foreman has been fantastic. Khalil Herbert, before he got hurt, was really, you know, doing great. So hopefully he kind of works his way back into the uh, into his old self before the season is up. And of course, the offensive line has been fantastic uh, in the running game, at least. Number six was T.J. Edwards. He is either close to or is leading the NFL in tackles. Right now, and not to mention he's got he got that that uh, interception uh, against the Lions uh, and everything. I believe he recovered a fumble as well. So T.J. Edwards has been an outstanding signing uh, for us. Uh, you know, really showing up when he when signing with his hometown uh, team. So that's been a very good signing uh, for us. Number five, Jalen Johnson. <sighs> I'd feel better about this where it is if Johnson had come down with that pick six on Sunday. You know, you can't let those slip through your hands. Not when you want to make 20 mil a season. I already went on a tirade about that the other day, but that's all I'm going to say about it. Jalen Johnson is an outstanding corner. I do want to keep him. I do want him to be a bear. Uh, you know, not only because I don't want to see him in another uniform, but I I, I am sensitive to the thought that, uh, you know, what it could say to the locker room if the Bears don't bring him back. Like you know, never mind being as good as you are. If you're not asking for the right amount, they're not gonna, they're not gonna bring you back. So, you know, why are you putting your heart and soul into playing for this team when they're not gonna pay you? They're just gonna let you go and let somebody else do it. So, I'm sensitive to that. The price has to be right, but I don't think there's a bear fan on earth that doesn't want Jalen Johnson back next year. So, you just have to deal with the uh, the ugly. Uh, the ugly realities of uh, the salary cap and there's not always enough to go around and, and all that kind of stuff. So I want Jalen Johnson to stay. I believe Jalen Johnson wants to stay and I believe him when he says that. So let's make it happen. So go out there and get some interceptions, turn a couple of them into pick sixes, make them make it hard for them not to pay you 20 mil as opposed to right now. It's still an argument. You're still, you're an awesome corner. You get the job done. We don't want to see you go, but we're not going to pay you that much. So, you want that money, go out there and get it, bro. Go out there and get it. Uh, number four is Darnell Wright and Tevin Jenkins. Wholeheartedly agree. Two drafted offensive linemen that are really, really uh, getting after it. And I'm hoping, because I, I read about Tevin Jenkins said he makes some changes uh, to the, to his exercise and, and, and to his diet and everything when he when he got hurt again in, and had to miss the first four games of the season. Knock on wood, he hasn't been banged up in the six weeks that he's been back, and he has been an absolute monster for that front for that front uh, of the offensive line for the Bears. It's been fantastic having him back. So hopefully, we've turned a corner there, and he's found something that works for him. 
something that will allow him to be a monster and allow him to get paid. And like I said, allow him to be that guy where it's almost impossible not to bring him back. You know, you got to give him that 16 mil or whatever it is that guard money is going for uh, these days because we don't want to play against this guy. So bring him back in. Darnell Wright's been outstanding uh, as an offensive, uh, as the right tackle, starting from day one as our top pick in the draft this year. Just outstanding. Number three is Justin Fields. Don't think I need to fill in the lines for you on that one. Number two, DJ Moore, of course. I mean, talk about a – and, and it's almost kind of like he was considered almost the throw-in to that number one pick trade with the Panthers uh, back in March. But for me, that was what got me over the moon excited about that trade was that DJ Moore was thrown in. And speaking of which, number one, the, ten, the number one thing Bear fans should be grateful for in 2023 – is the Carolina Panthers. They made the deal with us for number one, and part of that trade was next year's first-round pick, and right now that is the number one overall pick. So, yeah, God bless the Carolina Panthers, and I hope that they stay incompetent and finish 1-16, in so there's no doubt who, the, who has the number one pick next year. And, oh, yeah, in 2025 we have their second-round pick, and God forbid – we make another trade for one of those first-round picks, whether it's one or it's four, uh, which is where we currently sit, sit for our own pick. Maybe we can turn that into two ones and two twos next year in 2025. So, um, But, yeah, because of the Carolina Panthers, the Bears have a lot of options when it comes to uh, the draft, and because of that, we have options with free agency and, and so on and so forth. So, it's uh, yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. The number one thing we should be grateful for right now is the Carolina Panthers. God bless them. So, and let's see, what else do we have? Uh, yeah. Oh, man. I saw this, and I was like, well, he's not wrong. Uh, Amon Ra St. Brown and Equinemius, our wide receiver, uh, obviously they're brothers, and they do a podcast called The 33rd Team. And they get together once a week, kind of like the Kelsey brothers uh, do. And... Um, Equinemius was telling him that uh, at no point during the game did he think we're going to lose this game. And he was starting to think about the podcast and how he was going to be talking trash uh, on the show. And then Amon Ra's response was, you guys are choke artists. And that stings, that hurts, but it's true because that's exactly what we did. Up 26-14 with 4 minutes, 15 seconds to go. And four minutes and 15 seconds later, we lost by five. Yeah, that's that's the definition uh, of choking right there. You know, they, they go down the field 75 yards in a minute 16. Then we take 15 seconds off the clock, give it right back to them. They march right back down the field, put it in the end zone again to take the lead. And then the cherry on top was uh, Aiden Hutchinson, who hadn't gotten a sack all day long, finally gets to fields. Because Darnell Wright did an outstanding job against Hutchinson. He struggled with him at times, as he should. If Hayden Hutchinson is one of the best edge rushers, especially the best young uh, edge rusher in the game right now. And it was in that moment Hutchinson made his play. So, yeah, we are choke artists. It sucks, but it's true. So, And then finally, the injury report. Because the Bears don't play until Monday, today on Thursday was their first day of practice. Uh, this week and I was thinking it was like why didn't they practice on Wednesday they don't deserve an extra day off but that's what they do when they uh, when they play on Monday the, sh- the schedule gets shifted over uh, by a day so uh, 
Yeah, the injury report right now, Larry Borum is out with an illness. Tis the season, so that's not too uh, surprising. Deontay Foreman, uh, his ankle and shin still bothering him, so he has not. He did not practice today. Neither did Lucas Patrick, who got blindsided on what was like he was chasing down what people thought was a fumble, even though the referees were blowing the whistle. And then one of the Lions comes in and absolutely just takes the top off of him. He goes flying back like a wrestler, like doing a bump in a, in a wrestling match or something. No flags. No, no flags. It's like unbelievable, man. Because what's funny is if it was a live play and somebody hit Patrick like that, that is a flag. There, you, there, you wouldn't be able to see the field for all the flags that would be on for that hit. But it happens after the whistle and there's no flag. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if whoever hit him gets fined for it this week. But it should have been a flag at, in the moment. Unsportsmanlike conduct, necessary rough, what do you want to call it? Just because the play was dead doesn't mean that uh, that guy's got the right to just go in there and Colcock our center. But, uh, you know, he left the game. I don't know if he left for the for the rest of the game. I think he did. Dan Feeney came in at center and um, was having some issues early on with uh, the snap count. But he did not practice today with that back injury. Lucas Patrick, of course. And Noah Sewell, who had a uh, who suffered a knee injury during special teams uh, last week, had, didn't practice today with that knee injury. But uh, we still got uh, Friday and Saturday's practice uh, to see how we progress uh, there. So there you go. That's going to do it for the uh, news and notes section. And before we get to Chris Gates, I want to make a quick announcement about the release schedule for next week. And I decided that um, I'm going to do it backwards this week, that the fourth phase will come out on Monday, and I'll, re- I'll review all the games from, from today on Thursday, tomorrow on the Black Friday game, and then all the Sunday games. I'll do my review of all of those games, and I'll fold the review for the Bears game, obviously, into the Bears-Vikings review that will come out on Tuesday. Uh, instead so um, and it'll probably be sometime Tuesday afternoon uh, once we get back from the because uh, we got it actually my dad and I we got a uh, a hotel room close to the uh, arena so we're going to stay the night instead of trying to battle all of Rosemont Illinois to try to get out of town and get on the highway because we're also about an hour and change uh, more than that about an hour and a half away from the uh, arena so we're uh, we're going to stay in the hotel and chill and not worry about it and Come back on Tuesday morning, and then when we get back, I'll uh, I'll do the review and, and drop the episode sometime Tuesday afternoon, I would hope. so. But I'll keep you guys posted on that. But Monday uh, will be the fourth phase. It will be everything from Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. And then the only game left to talk about will be the Bears and Vikings on Sunday, and I'll just talk about that in the Bears-Vikings review episode on Tuesday. So. Anyway, let's go ahead and bring in our good friend Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman to preview Bears-Vikings on Monday Night Football. Week number 12 has our beloved Chicago Bears heading up to Minneapolis to take on the Minnesota Vikings. 
Uh, much to my chagrin, the NFL did not flex the game out of Monday night, so I will be missing the broadcast while rocking out in Chicago with Kiss for the final time in their illustrious uh, career. And here to help us preview the game that I'm not going to watch live uh, from the Daily Norseman, our good friend Chris Gates. Chris, welcome back, man. Oh, happy to be back, Larry. And uh, yeah, I, I do believe you have your priorities in order with this one, with uh, going to uh, see the latest final uh, Kiss tour concert uh, rather than uh, watching this one live. I, I'm actually a little envious. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, uh, I, I invested um, just on a trial basis uh, in NFL Plus. I've heard many con- uh, complaints uh, about how it is, but uh, I was sold on the fact that they said that as soon as the broadcast is over, it's available on online, basically. So basically when the show is over, I will be able mm. to watch it through the app after the game. I just, I'll just i basically know how the game ends or what the score was because I'm sure to be over by the time we're leaving the uh, arena uh, on Monday night. So, you know, we'll uh, – and if and my dad and I were talking about it yesterday – and he was saying, like, well, if, if the Bears win, we'll watch the full version. And if they lose, we'll watch the condensed version <laughs> and just get it over with, you know. So, I mean, the condensed version is literally every snap, but none of the fluff in between. It's like whistle to whistle is the condensed version. So a three-hour yeah. game condensed into about 40 minutes, but you literally see every play. So it's not a bad deal. We might just watch the condensed version anyway since it's going to be late by the time we actually get to watch it. But... um so yeah. I, I did the NFL plus thing back in the, uh, the preseason just to get a couple of the, uh, the preseason games during like the, uh, the free trial period. And okay. I, I haven't had anything to do with it since really, but, uh, now I remember direct TV used to do the, uh, the condensed game things. I think they managed to make the whole thing like a 30 minute deal, but, yeah. uh, yeah, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's not bad. I didn't have any problems with NFL plus in the, the brief time that I used it. Well, I hope that's true because I really bought it for one reason, and I hope it really comes together uh, on Monday night after the uh, after the show to be able to watch the game, so I can so I can do my podcast in a reasonable amount of time, and as opposed to uh, trying to string together a podcast on a twelve minute condensed version that I find on YouTube. So that'll probably <laughs> be you know where they where they cut a lot out, you know, a lot of context yeah. you lose watching those highlights, but. So our beloved teams uh, met up six weeks ago in Chicago. We were both one and four at the time. Uh, you were not yep. optimistic at all that you guys would come away with the victory. And uh, then, the, then the game happened, and Luke Getze, my offensive coordinator, uh, conducted his, uh, his uh, you know, uh, game plan as though... Brian Flores doesn't blitz anywhere from 60 to 80% of the time. So, <laughs> I mean, and it started from the very first snap. The Bears go empty. You guys bring at least seven people and destroy, uh, you know, fields in the backfield. And, and rather than, I don't know, motion somebody over to get the free guy or, you know, I don't know, call another play uh, or something, they go ahead and run the play and and uh, you nearly murder uh, Justin Fields on the opening snap of the uh, game. And that pretty much, it was all downhill from there. Those two weeks against Washington and Denver was seemingly erased within moments of the game starting as far as any kind of offensive progress the Bears 
had made because they went right back to their old ways, or at least it looked that way when we started to when we started the game against you guys in the first round. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know enough about Luke Getze or anyone else on the Bears coaching staff to know uh, how good they are at adjusting tendencies or anything like that. But I know Brian Flores is a madman to put it uh, to put it as lightly as I can. Um, he, he leads the league not only in uh, blitz percentage. But uh, the Vikings, I believe, also lead the league in defensive snaps where they only bring three defenders. So basically either they're bringing everybody or they're not bringing anybody. Right. And there's really no in-between. But, uh, yeah, that the first snap they, uh, they got to Fields, and eventually they got to Fields enough where uh, Fields wound up hurting him or getting hurt and uh, yeah. going to the bench. And we had to, uh, to face the mighty uh, Agent Zero right. uh, at quarterback. And, uh, yeah, it, that that's one of those things in the past where it's like, okay, the backup quarterback is coming in. How are the Vikings going to screw this up? And they nearly did because Bajan led them on a, uh, a touchdown drive there at one point and uh, got the game a little bit closer again. But uh, they did manage to hold on. It uh, it wasn't a uh, game that's going to go in the in the Louvre or anything like that. No. But uh, it was it was effective for Minnesota. And, and it does effectively add itself to the list of the weird things that happen uh, in Soldier Field because here comes Fields based on, like, of the two best games of his career. And, you know, the, the, the offensive coordinator puts together a game plan as though he watched zero tape on the Vikings whatsoever and, you know, did not account for the blitz uh, and everything. And the thing that really gets me about this coaching staff, Chris, is that I've – I've never seen a coaching staff so quick to throw their own players under the bus. And not so much by naming names or anything like that, but it's never like the one thing that the one redeeming quality of Matt Nagy was that if something went wrong during the game, the first thing would be, that's on me. We've got to work on that. We've got to be better there or anything like that. Luke Getze and Matt Eberflus like to call these learning experiences for the players. <laughs> You know, it's yeah. like, and that's what makes me insane is that he put it on Justin not getting rid of the ball fast enough on that first play, even though we went empty, left him completely naked in the backfield so that no matter what, he was going to get hit. And it was the same thing with the fumble that tied the game in the, the Denver game. He put that on Justin Fields because his drop wasn't deep enough, not because they had a free rusher that just came clean no matter what. And it just, you know, they had that guy unaccounted for, as he said, we knew that he was coming dirty is what, I don't know why they call it dirty, but we know we had a, you know, guy coming dirty uh, on the outside. It's like, don't don't run the play, you know, or it was play action. Send the running back to him. We're not giving him the ball. Have him run into the defender, you know, or anything like that because that guy didn't bite on the play fake, nothing. He just kept coming full bore, and the next thing you know, Fields is trying to throw it over his head, gets the ball knocked out of his hands. Now what was 28-7 to 28-28, and it all went to hell from there. So it, it just it makes me in, insane, and then I hope, I hope that for round two, Getsy will be like, didn't these guys blitz us a lot when we played the first time? Maybe we should do something about that. So, you know, <laughs> wishful thinking, especially since it's our one – one Monday night game, our, our last national TV game of the season, that we, we go out with some kind of dignity uh, in this one. I would appreciate that. 
So yeah, and and like I said, I don't know enough about the Bears coaching staff to uh, to say one way or the other. But I mean, it kind of sounds like uh, like the end of the Leslie Frazier era for Minnesota. Where, I mean, every week the standard response from Leslie Frazier is, "Yeah, we're going to go back. We're going to watch the tape. We're going to change a few things." But that, that was literally he. If you could copy and paste. <laughs> audio that that's literally what Frazier said every week yeah we're we're gonna go back we're gonna watch the tape and like you know eventually he's gotta be like dude you don't have anything anymore and that's why you're getting fired right and uh yeah I don't know if the bears are to the point where uh where Eberflus is on the verge of getting fired oh, after this season but uh it, it sounds like he might be on a bit of a, a hot seat at this point and I don't know if Ryan Poles goes with him if uh if anything happens but yeah, the, the Bears, uh, I'm sure they'll make some adjustments uh, for this uh, Monday night game and whatnot, but uh, I'm sure Brian Flores is going to have his share of adjustments that uh, he's going to make as well. Yeah, especially since he has to account for fields again. But, um, yep. you know, in, in response to your to your question there, um, uh, if, if it was up to the fan base, Iberflus would have been gone after Sunday in Detroit when we had a 12-point lead on the second-best team in the league uh, or one of the best teams in, in the conference, I should say, and uh, managed to, like, just piss it all away, man. 56 minutes of, of solid, almost dominant football was erased in, in, in the last four minutes and 15 seconds. It was remarkable to watch how easy we made it for them. It was really something. And, uh, you know... You just go ahead and, and you blow that. And, you know, Eberflus, it reminds me, like you said, it reminds you of, of the end of the Leslie Frazier era. A lot of that kind of reminds me of uh, Mark Tressman in his last season with Chicago. Instead of saying, we're going to look the tape, we're going to make some adjustments and see what happened and blah, blah, blah. For him, it was, I don't know what happened. We had a great week of practice. I don't know what happened. We had a great week of practice. So, you know, why did it all go to... Why did it all go to hell when the game started? We had a great week of practice. He never had any answers, just like you're saying. Frazier never had any answers, and Eberflus is 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 on those same lines. You know, I don't watch his uh, conferences as, as much as I did with uh, uh, with Tressman uh, and everything. But it, you know, listening to like reading the the things on on Twitter and whatnot about their response to what he's saying, they're pretty much in line with like this guy has no idea what the hell he's talking about, or he's being intentionally vague. You know, one of the two is like both are, are, are frustrating for beat writers uh, and everything when they're asking questions and they're getting these vanilla, you know, vague answers. Nothing bothers them more. So, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But, um, but ever since that game, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> but ever since that game, uh, you guys went on what we like to call in the business a tear. Uh, because you won in <laughs> Chicago and um, got some help from the undrafted rookie when he gifted you guys a strip sack that uh, ended up being the difference in the game because the defense, our defense, only gave up 12 points uh, to you guys. And then we the offense mm-hmm. tossed in that little extra so that we could decide who actually wins this game uh, here. So you're welcome. Yep. Then you play San Francisco on Monday Night Football. Um in a game where I believe, in my opinion, no offense, was equally on how you guys played. And, like, you guys won it almost as much as they lost it. With the, you know, McCaffrey fumbles, missing the field goals, 
you know, Purdy's throwing you know, unca- uncharacteristically at the time, launching two interceptions uh, into the into the you know into the ether, and they got picked off uh, at the end of the game. But it's like, damn, the Vikings they won again. You know, they were one and four two weeks ago. Now they're three and four. Then you go into uh, a Green Bay, and it was a I'm a, I would say a bittersweet victory. Uh, in Green Bay, because you beat the Packers in Lambeau again, but you lost Kirk Cousins for the season with the uh, Achilles injury. What what was the what was the feeling coming out of the uh, the Green Bay game? Because you got the win over Green Bay, but in a, in a lot of ways, did the, was the season over when Kirk went down, or at least did was that the feeling? Like what a bittersweet thing we got the win, but we lost our guy. I mean that that game was just about as depressing as a win over Green Bay at Lambeau can potentially be. I mean, uh, you know, Cousins to that point between, you know, the San Francisco game and the Green Bay game uh, was on a really solid run there. And uh, I, I believe if he would have, if he hadn't been injured and if he'd been playing these uh, past few weeks, he could have potentially played his way uh, into the MVP conversation because sure. – you know, when he got hurt, he was leading the league in passing yardage and passing touchdowns, and the Vikings were getting back on track and winning football games. And, you know, the one thing that we've always said about Kirk Cousins is that, you know, Kirk Cousins never gets hurt. He's always there. And then, you know, you, you always have it in the back of your head that, you know, one of these times uh, something's going to happen to him and he is going to get hurt, and then we don't know what the heck the Vikings are going to end up doing. And that happened at the end of the Green Bay game. I mean, fortunately, uh, they had that game in hand by the time Cousins got hurt. But, uh, yeah, that, uh, you know, between the between the Justin Jefferson injury and then the Kirk Cousins injury, uh, you know, despite the fact that they had won three in a row and gotten to four and four at that point, uh, it was looking a little bleak because uh, we weren't completely sure uh, how this team was going to handle it going forward. Yeah, and then what an interesting week you guys had uh, during the trade deadline. Because I heard rumors about uh, possibly trying to work a deal with New Orleans to bring in Jameis Winston. Uh, I thought that would have been interesting uh, for you guys. And then at the last minute on the trade deadline, you bring in Josh Dobbs. And everyone's like, Josh Dobbs? What happened to Jameis? You know, I was like, what happened? I was like, okay. And it's like, not only do we trade for Josh Dobbs, we're not going to start him. We're going to put Jaron Hall out there against the Falcons on Sunday. And and much like the plan for the Bears to start Andy Dalton ahead of Justin Fields, that didn't last long. Uh, was it even yeah. – with the first quarter even over when, when Hall went down with that concussion? It was the Vikings' last play or the second-to-last offensive play because that happened on a third down when he got concussed and that put them into a fourth and goal mm-hmm. and they kicked the field goal from there. So, yeah, it was the last offensive play – uh, for the Vikings of the first quarter was when Hall uh, suffered the concussion that knocked him out. And, yeah, they they had literally spent the entire week devoting everything to getting him uh, ready to go for the game. They gave him all the reps. They uh, they gave him everything during practice. And, yeah, he, he lasted a whole quarter before he uh, he got knocked out of the game. Right. And then, you know, the story begins because now Josh Dobbs, who's been on the team for all of, what, four days uh, at the time, mm-hmm. is surrounded by his offensive lineman while he's taking snaps from the center so they can get his cadence down so there's no false <laughs> starts 
on the field. Then he proceeds to go out there and put 28 points on what was then a top 10 defense in the NFL, winning it in the final moments. Thank you for that, by the way, because I had Atlanta picked and uh, I lost a good chunk of confidence points when Josh Dobbs threw that touchdown pass (laughs) with uh, a few moments to go in the game. And then the roller coaster begins. It's like, because here comes Josh Dobbs, you know, rocket scientist, literally. He is a literal rocket scientist showing just how smart he is because he went out there and ran an offense that he had all of four days to get down as the backup, getting no reps, and ran it well enough to score 28 points and beat the Falcons on the road. Yeah, and it got off to about as bad a start as you could possibly right, with envision. The, because with I mean, the safety, his first, right? His first drive, he yeah. gets sacked for a safety. Uh, either the second or third drive, he coughs one up, and the uh, the Falcons take it and return it down to the two-yard line. Hope, thankfully, the the defense stood up and limited that to a field goal. But oh, wow. you know, once he once he kind of got the jitters out of the way and got uh, got things going, uh, it it went better than anyone could have possibly expected. Obviously, I mean, when you when you see some of the highlights or whatever and what was going on during the game, uh, Kevin O'Connell was literally walking him through the plays uh, in the headset until the uh, until the comms got shut off before each play. It was literally, okay, you're going to take the snap, and then you're going to look here, and then you're going to look here, and then, and then yeah, just until the uh, the communication got cut off between the uh, the headsets. And he, he was literally holding Dobbs' hand as much as he possibly could uh, during, during the each and every play call. And, you know, given that Kevin O'Connell – has played or was an NFL quarterback at one time. I mean, I know he didn't play very much. He kind of rode the bench most of his career, but he at least understands what it takes and what you need to know, what you need to do to be a National Football League quarterback. I, I think he's one of the few coaches that uh, that could have gotten Dobbs uh, through that situation the way he did. I don't think someone like a Mike Zimmer or something like that could have helped Dobbs to anywhere near the level of success that that, that he had thanks to. Uh, Kevin O'Connell's help. Yeah, it, it reminded me very much of uh, back in the 90s when uh, Marty Schottenheimer out of nowhere uh, cuts um, Bernie Kosar. And the Cowboys uh, pick him up, and because Troy Amy gets hurt, Bernie, Kersa, Bernie Kosar goes out there with a, a wrist pad that was about as thick as a, a, a novel of the playbook <laughs> so that he could read the plays you know, off of his wrist, and he went out and won the game uh, for him. Uh, you know, that's very much what that reminds me of. It's like, yeah, I just got here this week, but I have the literally entire playbook in little tiny windows on my on my wrist, and we're just going to go out there and see what happens. And he went and, and uh, went up, mm-hmm. went out and won the game. And then here you have, uh, you know, thirty plus years later, Kevin O'Connell spoon feeding the offense to Josh Dobbs, and oh yeah, it worked out after, like you said, the pre-show jitters got out of the way, they're like, oh, shit, I'm actually being thrown into this, aren't I? I, I had no idea. It's like, it's it's a miracle I'm even wearing the uniform right now for all that I know uh, about this mm-hmm. offense. Now I got to go out there and help us win a football game, and the guy pulled it off. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's his third team this season, his, what, fourth or fifth team in a calendar year, and he's out there, you know, doing things. It, it was remarkable. Yeah, he... I've, I've had the whole timeline here, and I'll see if I can find it again. But, uh, yeah, basically just this year, uh, yeah, he, he ended last season with Tennessee, 
because he got thrown into their starting lineup for the last two weeks after Ryan Tannehill got hurt. Right. So, yeah, he started their last two games uh, and had a shot at winning a, a division title, but they, they wound up coming up short. Uh, so, yeah, then he, he signed with Cleveland. So that's team number two. And then Cleveland traded him to Arizona right. during the preseason. So that's team number three. And then Arizona traded him to the Vikings. So since uh, since January of this year, yeah, he this is his fourth team. Yeah, I hope he's insane. not a. I hope he's not a homeowner because uh, you know, <laughs> that 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 house that he bought four teams ago. You know what? A, what a crazy uh, calendar year that guy's had. It's 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 insane to uh, to think about how yeah. much he's moved around, but. You know, it, it didn't work out in Cleveland. He got outplayed by DTR, and that's why he got traded. Then he goes into Arizona, and all of a sudden the Cardinals are scrappy where they're supposed to be in tank mode. Uh, they almost beat Wash. They have the lead late in, like, three of their first four games. They beat the Cowboys, you know, and they're just mm-hmm. basically just trading water until, uh, you know, uh, Kyler Murray can come back, and then they can throw him out there to see if they want to keep him. Uh, next season because you got a new GM and a new head coach out there. And then they're like, oh, Minnesota will give us some picks. Uh, you know, we'll get the picks back that we gave away uh, for him and uh, we'll throw Clayton Toon out there and Kyler Murray will be back in another week or two. So Josh Dobbs has fulfilled his his obligation. So we'll throw him out to Minnesota and see if he can swim. Well, he swam against the Falcons and then a week later he uh, – the final score does not tell how how much of a, a big win that was for Minnesota over no. the Saints because the lead was large before the Saints added some touchdowns uh, late. But the guy's been on the team less than ten days. He's got you guys two wins as your starting quarterback. So uh, it was pretty pretty crazy that uh, you know you won three in a row. Kirk goes down with this this season ending injury. There's no chance like Aaron Rodgers that he might be able to come back. The timetable just doesn't work. So. He's done no. for the year. This now promising season is, you know, in question. You bring in this guy that was kind of like a throwaway deal at the end of the trade deadline, and he ends up probably working out better for you guys than anybody, any other trade that's been made uh, at the trade deadline uh, this year. So, I mean, Montez Sweat has been pretty good for us, but, you know, he hasn't come in out of nowhere and won us two, three ball games so far. No, and I mean – Quasi Adolfo Mensa has taken a lot of heat uh, from fans and whatnot. I mean, largely because of uh, the draft class from his first uh, his first draft. I mean, Lewis Seen, first round pick, is a, a healthy scratch like every week now. Wow. That, that's looking like a pretty uh, disastrous pick. But uh, and some of the other picks didn't exactly uh, work out at first. But you know, between the twenty twenty three draft and the uh, the guys they signed uh, after the draft and. You know, he pulled off the Hawkinson trade at the trade deadline last year. Now he pulled off the Dobbs trade at the trade deadline this year. And, you know, when, when him and Kevin O'Connell took over, uh, the words that uh, Quasey used to describe what the uh, the Vikings are going to be doing going forward was competitive rebuild. And people kind of scoffed at that because, you know, they didn't think you could do both at the same time. And, you know, this last offseason, we've talked about it. Um, you know, they, they let a bunch of guys go. They let... Uh, Eric Hendricks go, Adam Thielen's gone, uh, Zadarius Smith got traded away, uh, you know, just, and they replaced him with a bunch of younger, cheaper options, and, you know, they, they are doing the competitive rebuild. I mean, they're, they're staying involved. I mean, they're in the, the seventh spot in the 
uh, NFC playoff chase right now, but with the the way the playoff chase looks, um, you know the 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 playoff teams in the NFC might be completely set here before too much longer, just because you know if you look at it, the the Vikings are the seven now, and Green Bay is the eight, and if uh, if Green Bay loses to Detroit this weekend, that puts them effectively three games behind the Vikings in the standings because the Vikings have already beaten them once. And, uh, you know, the only the only drama in the NFC playoff field could be uh, who wins the uh, the annual NFC South pillow fight. But, uh, <laughs> you know, they had, but, you know, the, the people scoffed at the idea of the competitive rebuild and, you know, Quasi and, and Kevin O'Connell are pulling it off so far. I mean, there, there might be some smoke and mirrors involved and whatnot, but the, the fact is they're getting the, the job done and, you know, they're, uh, it, it's going to be an interesting, uh, off season ahead, but obviously we got to get through the, uh, the rest of the season and the postseason here first, uh, for this season. But, uh, yeah, it, I, I think Quasi and, and Kevin O'Connell, uh, deserve a little more credit than I think they've been getting recently. And hopefully that'll, uh, shift going forward here as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's quite a run that you guys have, uh, that you've been on since we, uh, met up. And uh, it, it appears that we did for you guys what we did for uh, Detroit last year, because they came into Soldier Field last year one and six, ended the season nine and eight. You guys come into Soldier Field one and four, and now you're six and five, having won five in a row and just barely lost to the Broncos on Sunday Night Football, who were also on a bit of a winning streak of their own, like both. Both Kevin O'Connell and Sean Payton had done everything they could to get their teams turned around or they got things settled uh, and everything so that they were winning these one-score games instead of losing them uh, like you were. Because that was the one thing that we talked about when we met up uh, in in October was that, you know, you guys were, what, 11-0 or something like that in the one-score games last year, and this year you were like 1-3 or something uh, like that in the one-score games. And, uh you know, it's like the the trend that everybody knew you couldn't sustain was going against you, and yet now you guys are flipping it and making it work for you again. Yeah, I mean, th- this year the Vikings are back to, to playing almost exclusively one-score games again. I mean, the, the only game they've had that was decided by more than two scores was the win at Green Bay right? that they won by, uh, they won by two touchdowns. But other than that, they... The, the games this year have been three points, six points, four points, eight points, seven points, six points, five points, three points, eight points, and one point. Right. So they they have a six and five record, which means they're they're five and five this year in one score games because yeah the the one over Green Bay was a, a double digit victory, um, and I think a lot of people expected. Uh, the regression. I mean, obviously, you're not going to go 11 and 0 in one score games every year. That was just nuts. What happened last season? But uh, you know, Kevin O'Connell and the Vikings, uh, and even the last couple years of the Zimmer era, they play these close games and uh, they rely on somebody to uh, to make a play. And you know, more often than not, the the play's getting made somehow. And I, uh, I like I said, I don't know how long it's sustainable. I mean, if you look at the uh, the next few weeks of the schedule, we've got you guys, and then we've got the bye, and then it's uh, at Los Angeles, and then at uh, the Joe Burrowless uh, Cincinnati Bengals right. uh, in Week 15 before we finish off with the uh, 
the Detroit Green Bay Detroit sandwich to uh, to finish the season here. But uh, I mean, it's I, I think they I think they beat the Bears. I mean, it's not exactly Murderer's Row the next few weeks, right. and you know they they could get themselves to a nine and five before they have to face Detroit that first time. And you know, like I said, with the with the way the rest of the NFC playoff field looks, that might be good enough at that point. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll have to see. I mean, obviously, we got to get through Monday night first, so we'll uh, we'll see how all that goes. Yeah, I'm very interested to see how the game is is going to go uh, this week because if the first 56 minutes of last week's game is any indication, this thing is at least going to be one of those uh, exciting uh, one score finishes uh, again uh, on Monday. And and um, you know, if the four minutes is any indication, I have no idea if I can trust the Bears. Uh, in this one, I already wasn't looking forward to it. Um, but with fields coming back, I mean, Chris, I gotta be honest with you, man. I was terrified of what Sunday was going to look like because the, the lions have been playing so well and not that I didn't trust Justin Fields to play well, but it's like, who would elect to put fields in the, have to be that game that he comes back for. It was it, to me, it seemed insane that he practiced before the Carolina game and they didn't play him against the Panthers. It's like if there's a game where you want to rock, knock the rust off, it's against the worst team in football. Play against him. Yeah. Or, you, you know, you're playing against a team where you can afford to make a mistake maybe or, or something like mm-hmm. that or, or you can afford to be a little slow out of the gates because I think they're averaging maybe seven points a game in Carolina uh, at this point. You, you can afford to, to knock the rust off a little against the – Panthers no but instead we're going to throw you in against one of the hottest teams in football on the road where the fans are really digging their team this year and uh, in in as hostile territory as you can find right now in the league that's going to be your first game back and it was a sink or swim type situation and field swam very well uh, against the Lions but the problem with the Bears has been Mm -hmm. consistency will we be able to do it again uh, against Minnesota and especially since this is Minnesota's second bite uh, at the apple, you know what will they do different uh, to uh, counteract for what what we did on Sunday or what we might be able to uh, throw at you guys? I'm really interested to see how I'm. I'm at least intrigued and very interested in how and what the outcome is going to look like. If if this past Sunday went the way that I thought it might go, it would be all gloom and doom for me about how this is going to go on Sunday having no faith whatsoever that the Bears had a shot. I don't think that we'll win uh, on Monday, but I think that we'll at least make a game of it after what I saw from them against the Lions. Oh, I think you definitely will too. I mean, especially if Fields can stay healthy because he gives you uh, that extra dimension that you know the Vikings have always kind of struggled with historically, and that's a quarterback that can get out and get on the move and kind of make plays off schedule and make plays uh, with his legs if he needs to. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, just the way the Vikings do things with all the one score games that we've talked about and, uh, it's prime time and, you know, I, I don't know, uh, you know, I, like you said, I think the Vikings are going to win this game as well. Uh, but I don't think uh, anyone should be expecting a blowout just because, you know, the Vikings don't blow anybody out. Even, you know, we, we had the game against New Orleans. It was 27 to three midway through the third quarter. And the, the Saints still had an opportunity for a, a Hail Mary at the end of the game. And, 
whatnot. I mean, th- this team just doesn't blow opposing teams out for whatever reason it might be. They just don't go out and, and crush opponents when they have the opportunity to they do something to uh, let those teams back into the game and it it drives people nuts it drives me nuts I would like to have a Sunday afternoon where you you can just kind of relax and not have to chew your fingernails down to the nub during the fourth quarter and whatnot but uh, like I said this team just doesn't do that they make it more interesting than it needs to be pretty much every week and you know there needs to come a point where uh you know, a nice easy victory would be would be welcome, but I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen on Monday night either. I think the Vikings win, but I don't think uh, it's going to be any sort of a, a blowout or anything like that. Right, and then like as you mentioned a moment ago, the schedule uh, gets really interesting for you guys in the last five weeks because same as us, you have the bye after this game uh, on Monday. You have <laughs> uh, the Raiders who have uh, who are two and one under their interim head coach because they fired Josh McDaniel surprisingly, but not surprisingly all at the same time. Uh, then you and, have and, like, and you know, the next time, and you know, the next time there's head coaching openings in the NFL, that dude's name is still going to come up for reasons that are, you know, just beyond anybody's understanding yeah. because he, he's proven in like two or three different places that he can't actually be a head coach, but he'll get mentioned because, you know, Bill Belichick and so forth. And, right. and anyway, I, I'm, on a, on a tangent here, I apologize. Go ahead. No, no, no. You're you're absolutely right. I mean, he he screwed <laughs> he screwed up huge uh, in Denver. He said that he had learned and, and that he knew what not to do or how to treat people and blah blah blah, and then goes right into uh, Vegas and and does the same stuff again. He's absolutely. It took him less than two seasons to alienate himself from the entire football team, and you know, and then couldn't help himself. I'm, I'm sure you've heard the. The story where Antonio Pierce is talking about how in 07 he was on the Giants and that's the year that they beat the undefeated Patriots and they did it because they believed they could even when the whole world doubted them. And McDaniel's response wasn't, hey man, great story. It was, don't talk about the Patriots that way. Are you kidding me, bro? Really? That's what you want to say right now? And it's just like that's that's all you need to talk about right there. He was gone a week or two uh, after that, and they won their first two games and, uh, you know, uh, just came up short this past uh, Sunday as well. So, I mean, the, against the against the Dolphins, they held the Dolphins to 20 points, and nobody really does that to yeah. the Dolphins. They're playing good football uh, right now. So that one's mm-hmm. going to be interesting. And then, like you said, you have the uh, – I don't know if they're going to do anything at quarterback. If you don't, you have the Ian Browning-led Cincinnati Vikings – or Cincinnati Vikings, Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, you know, to take on before, man, talk about your schedule quirks where the NFL had us going up against each other in the final week for at least a decade. Uh, and now Something you like get, that, yeah. you don't get Detroit for the first time until week 16, but you play them two times, uh, in three weeks with green Bay, uh, in the middle. It, it's quite the scheduling uh, conundrum. And, and it, it makes me wonder how it is. The NFL looked at that and we were like, yeah, that'd be all right. That'd be fine. Well, that schedule right there with these two, you know, these two teams. That that'd be just fine. We we don't we don't need to fix that at all. No, I mean every year there's weird stuff in the NFL schedule, and I mean we've we've seen it before. I mean sometimes you maybe get two divisional games back to back at the end of the year. I mean like last year uh, we played uh, 
we played Green Bay in week 17, and then we played you guys in week 18, mm-hmm. and there was nothing really on the line in uh, either of those games because, you know, the Vikings had already wrapped up the division and whatnot. But to see three divisional games like this in a row at the end of the season and two of them against the uh, the same, same opponent, yeah. which is just really strange, um, I, I don't I don't know if that's ever happened in the NFL since they went to the uh, the schedule with the uh, the four division format it'd be something to be interesting to uh to look up but yeah that this is it's the most important stretch of the season for the Vikings i mean thanks to uh Detroit winning last week and the Vikings managing to blow that game against Denver the division is probably uh, out of reach now because Detroit is up by 3 games in the division so they have they'd have to completely fall apart to give the Vikings a shot at uh winning the north again but mm-hmm. you know I, I saw an article somewhere that you know based on the playoff seedings there's a chance that you know if the if the lions stay at the two seed and the vikings stay at the seventh seed they could wind up playing each other three times in four weeks yeah because yeah, yeah they would uh, they would play in week 16 and then they would play in week 18 and then they would play the wild card game at detroit mm-hmm. again the next week so yeah you could you could see lions vikings three times in four weeks which would be even weirder still right and 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 if the season ended today that's exactly what would happen though those are the seedings it would be the the lions would be the two seed and and minnesota would be the seven seed so they would in fact play each other uh on wild card weekend and 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 it's crazy to think that that could hold and um Mm -hmm. yeah because you're right right now the vikings are in no danger of of losing that seven that seven seed no because the winning records stop with minnesota in the nfc So there are seven winning records, nine losing records in the NFC, whereas in the AFC, I think it's uh, you're at least 500, like into like the 10th or 11th seed or something like that over on the AFC side. So much, much harder to make the playoffs uh, over there. Or if you're a team with a losing record, like everyone has this hope holding out that Rodgers will be able to come back. But they're four and six. They got Minnesota or excuse me, Miami on Friday and then I forget what they have after that but it does not look good and they're more than likely going to be like four and nine on that uh, supposed Christmas Eve date where you know Rodgers is supposed to be coming uh, back there's a chance in hell they're bringing him back if they're four and nine uh, you know at the end of the uh, at the end of December it's like there's no way there's just no way that that's happening yeah. so um, yeah it, it's uh yeah, it, it, it's amazing. And the, the funniest thing that I've seen with the NFL schedule, and I think this happened this year or last year, one of the two. I think it was last year when we played the AFC North that uh, it was it was Baltimore or Cincinnati, one of the two, that had the bye or had like the, I think it was the Ravens, then they had the bye, then they played the Ravens again. So it was like yep. this, the, and it was like for the Ravens, it was, you know, Cincinnati, uh, Cleveland and then Cincinnati again or something something like that. But it was like for Cincinnati, they literally had two games in a row uh, against, and it may have been Cleveland, one mm-hmm. of the two, that had the Ravens on quote back-to-back games because the bye was sandwiched uh, in between. It's like you guys didn't think maybe to fix that, two divisional games back-to-back essentially uh, with, the, with, the, yeah. with the teams like that. It's kind of <laughs> crazy with the, with the scheduling uh, quirks. But, yeah, to have Detroit – then, uh, yeah, Detroit in at and Green Bay at home, and then finishing in Detroit. That could be your Sunday night game, um, you know, this year 
uh, is the with the division. Not well, maybe not maybe the division on the line, but at least the playoff berth on the line. The maybe the uh, the the Lions are playing for the top seed or or something like that. I mean, of all the games that I've seen so far in Week 18, that one appears to be the best candidate for the the Sunday night spot that year. Yeah, and and you're you're right. I'm looking at some of the other uh, standings in the different conferences or whatever. If you go over to the AFC, uh, Denver and Cincinnati are both, uh, well, and Indianapolis, uh, Indy, Denver, and Cincy are all five and five, and they're the nine, ten, and eleven teams uh, in the AFC. Whereas, yeah, the Vikings are six and five. That puts them at the seventh spot, and then uh, you know you got four teams at four and six. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got Green Bay, the Rams, Atlanta, Tampa Bay. They're all four and six, so the, and they're the eight, nine, ten, and eleven teams. And if you look at some of the tiebreakers, I mean, you know, those four teams that are behind Minnesota are all uh, Green Bay's three and three in the conference, and the other three teams are all three and four. Uh, the Vikings are six and two against the NFC right now. All I mean, they've got three losses to the uh, the AFC West. Wow. So, uh, you know, when it comes down to tiebreakers, that's uh, that's a big one. I mean, the only the only teams uh, with well, Philadelphia is six and zero against the conference, but. Uh, yeah, the Vikings are six and two against the NFC, and that's huge when you get into uh, the tiebreakers and whatnot. So, the, the only, I mean, Green Bay and the Rams. I don't know if either of them have a real shot. I mean, if if Green Bay loses to Detroit on Thanksgiving, I think you can pretty well scratch them off the list. But uh, but yeah, the the the, AF, the NFC could be pretty well decided before we hit uh, December, and the AFC is going to be basically a dogfight until the end for every single spot, it looks like. Yeah, where basically everybody's fighting for the opportunity to get killed by Kansas City or Baltimore uh, in the wild card mm-hmm. round, and that's that's what all that fighting is going to be for. It's like whichever yeah. whichever team doesn't get the seed between Baltimore and, and Kansas City is going to be pissed off on wild card weekend and take it yeah. out on you. Like, that's what you're playing for yeah. right now is to get killed by one of these teams, so... Yeah, it's it's interesting how it's going to unfold uh, in the AFC and the NFC. Like you said, this thing could be decided well before Christmas as to who's making the playoffs and yep. and who's not uh, this year. So, so yeah, man. I mean, like I'm I'm looking forward to the game on Monday mostly because I'm intrigued as to how it's all going to play out because consistency has not been a thing for Eberflus and. Uh, and the Bears, so thinking that uh, or being confident in our ability to pull off another Detroit performance, or at least the first fifty-six minutes of it, are are slim to none. As far as like, I'll be surprised pleasantly, but I'll be surprised if they play that well uh, in the Minnesota game uh, on Monday. So it, it, I'm I'm very interested to see if they can do it. Will Lou Getze actually acknowledge that the that the Vikings? you know, I don't know, blitz a good amount uh, of time and account for it, you know, because his post-game conference, uh, you know, comments made it appear like, oh, he did know. He just didn't care. That's what it is. Okay. <laughs> he didn't care. That's what it was. So, you know, so he didn't care that the Vikings blitzed nine guys on the first play and that two of them came free and that there were other plays where it's like, we'll never know what the play was because there were three guys in the backfield before uh, Fields finished his drop, and then a few plays later he gets mugged and tries to throw the ball away and ends up landing on his thumb and dislocating it, and he was out for the last month. So, 
Yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll have to see. And then he managed to go into the press conference and talk about how that was Fields' fault. So yeah, yep, good stuff, good stuff. So so yeah, I uh, I, I would be picking the Vikings to win. I think I might have like a low confidence number on it, uh, but I definitely yep. think that that Minnesota will probably come out ahead uh, on this one. Which you know, at this point, where uh, like I'm 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 never going to be that guy that wants my team to tank for draft position or anything like that. That's, oh, no, absolutely that's, not. That's more of a silver lining thing. It's like, well, we didn't win, but we went from four to three in the draft, so we have number one and number mm-hmm. three uh, now if the season ended today uh, kind of thing. It, it's just something to you know look forward to so you don't go nuts watching your team uh, lose every week. But I want my team to win. I don't give a damn about draft position. I really don't. And it was, it was really funny the, a couple of weeks ago when the Bears played Carolina. And it's like, yeah, the, the Bears won the game. And they improved their draft position because All they have the Carolina's time. pick. And Carolina's yeah. just, it just solidifies that number one pick even more. I mean, especially now that the, the Cardinals are looking a little feisty and like they want to win uh, a few football games, that, that Carolina pick is almost a lock to be number one overall at this point. So, yeah, yeah it, it's, it's not every day where you can win a game and improve your draft stock. So that was... Uh, that was kind of interesting to see. Yeah, it, w- it was quite the situation. My my uh, my Carolina guy is uh, he's he's not happy right now, man. He's not because <laughs> lo- in the preseason, it's like on paper the Panthers look like they might be at the very worst, like seven and ten again this season because they had yeah. Bryce Young, they brought in Adam Thielen, they got Hayden Hurst, uh, I believe, from the Bengals. Uh, you know, they signed Miles Sanders is like even after trading away, you know, their their future for the next few years to the Bears uh, in to get and giving us DJ Moore on top of it to get Bryce Young. They still look like they were in a position to be competitive and they have been anything but this year. You know, no. I was like, I think picking off Cousins on the first drive of the game was about as close as they came to being competitive with anybody until they out of nowhere beat the Texans uh, a few weeks ago. It's like, who the hell saw that coming? But, you know, it's like they've yeah. been anything but, and they don't have a pick in the first round next year. And it just so happens that if they did, they'd be drafting number one overall, which they and then could, could sell to the highest bidder or use that number one pick to get the offensive tackle that they do not have right now to protect uh, yep. Bryce Young. So it's just like he's just hating life at the moment because they gave away the King's ransom. They got the quarterback they wanted, or they didn't, if you listen to the rumors uh, and everything. Mm-hmm. like It sounds like Frank Reich wanted C.J. Stroud, and ownership trumped that and said take Bryce Young, and so that's what happened and, and all the rest. So, I mean, it's it's a mess uh, in Carolina, they're one and nine right now. So that's uh, he's not a happy camper down there in uh, in Charlotte uh, at the moment. So yeah, and, and and if ownership is overruling that kind of thing, that's that's just another like that good can. example of why you yeah you let your you let your football guys football exactly. and then you just you know cut the checks and do whatever because yeah, yeah that the, the ownership by and large is not comprised of football guys but they should bring in the football guys to uh, to handle that sort of stuff yeah well i mean either either let them run the organization or be jerry jones point yourself the general manager yeah. and go out there and get the guys then then it's publicly on you 
You know, they're like it's it's all on Jerry Jones that the Cowboys haven't been back to a Super Bowl in the last thirty years, um, because he's the general manager after all this time, still calling the shots and drafting the players and uh, and all that kind of stuff. It's still on Jerry Jones, and he takes that he takes that very seriously. But if you're going to be there behind the scenes and it's you that trumped what your coach and your general manager were going to go for, but you imposed your will on them to take somebody other than the guy they wanted and that had designs for, yeah, you you, you know, either just fire your general manager and appoint yourself in the spot because you're the owner, you can do that, or let the football guys handle the football things, you know, and trust them to do what it is you hired them uh, to do. I, I think it's so... Uh, so underhanded for the owners that that do that. You, I mean, and you hear this happening. Like so-and-so wanted this player, but ownership came in, put pressure on the general manager, blah, 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 so they ended up taking this guy against the coach's wishes and, you know, and thing, ended up having to coach a guy, made him his top pick in your draft class, and I didn't want him. I wanted somebody else, and that guy turned out to be a hell of a player, and the guy that we picked was some kind of bum that was lucky to make it through four years of college. So. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it, go ahead. No, I mean, and, you know, like I said, the, the football guys need to football. Uh, the ownership needs to kind of get out of the way. I mean, the, 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 that's what makes me happy about having people like the Wilfs in charge in Minnesota because, you know, they, they've had their football guys in place. And it's just basically said, look, whatever you need, dude, we're, uh, we're here for you. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll cut the checks. We'll do whatever. They haven't really interfered in football operations too much. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Rick Spielman was the general manager for basically uh, their entire ownership tenure up until a couple years ago, and then they finally uh, dismissed him and went with a fresh start with the uh, with Quasi and now Kevin O'Connell. And yeah, that that's why, like I said, the football guys need to football, and the 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 ownership just needs to uh, to cut checks and stay the heck out of the way. Like you said, unless they want to be Jerry Jones, and yeah. I don't think. Yeah, there's 31 other teams in the NFL that are pretty happy that uh, their guy is not Jerry Jones because I I couldn't imagine having to be a, a Cowboys fan and having to deal with uh, with Jerry Jones's whims and uh, delusions that he's like a real football guy at yeah. this point. So I mean, but if if you're gonna do that, you need to insert yourself in there publicly somehow. Yeah, you know, because you can't make the general manager and the coach take the fall for a decision you force them to make. That's just not that's not mm-hmm. cool. It's not fair. So I mean, you have to take some kind of heat for that and not let it be some kind of rumor or or whatever that may or may not be confirmed, you know, or that will be confirmed by your general manager and your coach after you fire them. You know, so then be like, "Hey, we yeah. wanted to do a completely different thing in Carolina. CJ Stroud was our guy and then all of a sudden management came in and said, "No, we like Bryce Young because of like the I heard it was because of the like the visits to the team, the owner and the wife <laughs> fell in love with Bryce Young more so than C.J. Stroud, and that changed everything. Bryce Young is now a Panther instead of C.J. Stroud, and we all see how that's going. I, I don't know how much better C.J. Stroud would be yeah. if he was in Carolina getting pounded uh, for four or five sacks a game, but you know, based on the uh, on the eye test, you know, I think it might be going at least a little bit better uh, than it's going. Uh, right yeah. now so but yeah but if you're going to do that you got to take the heat for it you absolutely have to and you're going to make influence you know decisions that influence your franchise you got to be willing to to go out there and be like yeah you know what I thought this was the way to go so that's what I told them to do I'm the owner and so it's my prerogative this is the player that I wanted on the team 
So there it is. So, I mean, and even if it's, that's it, that's your accountability is telling the world and like, you're still the owner. You can't fire yourself. It's like, let them hate me. I don't care. So, you know, but it just, you got to do something to take the heat off your general manager and your coach that are basically cleaning up after your mess. So, yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're not willing to take the, uh, the accountability for it, then yeah, you should probably find something else to do. But right. like you said, nobody's ever going to be able to fire the owner. Right. And, uh, you know, the owner is just going to, the, the owners are rich dudes that don't give a damn what anybody thinks of them anyway, because they have like 80 billion freaking dollars in the bank. And, you know, if they stop doing football tomorrow, they just move on to something else. But, right. uh, you know, the football guys, that that's their livelihood. And, you know, they're, you know, if you screw up, like, you know, we talked about Josh McDaniels, dude is screwed up in two or three different places. I mean, he's, he probably he might not get another opportunity again, but right. uh, you know the owners just you know guys come guys go doesn't matter we'll just fire this guy move on to the next guy do whatever we need to do and you know I'll just sit up here in the owner's box and watch it all happen and count my money. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. Like you said, this is their livelihood with the with the general managers and the coaches, especially the general managers in this day and age. When does a fired general manager get a second bite at the apple? These days, it doesn't happen. Yeah, it's been a long time since, uh, I mean, we're we're no longer in the days of Bill Polian, who can be a great general manager for three different teams, but also managed to get himself fired uh, from all three. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he's going to go into the Hall of Fame if he's not already there uh, as an executive type thing. But the last two Bears general managers, Ryan Pace, Phil Emery, are both still in the league, but playing, you know, they're in front office positions but behind the scenes in Atlanta together, ironically enough. But, you know, the nice. odds on, on, on either one of them being the head man and running a team again in this day and age in the NFL, not happening because there's always somebody new or young or fresh. There's always a Ryan Poles out there somewhere. Like right now, the Bears are almost yeah. banking on a, on a couple of third-round picks because our assistant general manager, Ian Cunningham, is going to be on somebody's radar uh, in the off, on the offseason this year rather than going like, Hey, didn't so-and-so run an organization for a while? Maybe we see if he wants to do it uh, kind of thing. That just doesn't really happen anymore uh, in this no. league. So, nope. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's, if, if, if I have to take the heat for this, you know, you got to uh, make for some, you got accountability uh, as well. So anyway, that conversation yeah. went off on a wild tangent. So a little bit, yeah, a little bit, but it's always nice talking football with anybody, <laughs> let alone just you, Chris. I, I, I enjoy having yeah. you on the show, man. Uh, I'm, I'm disappointed that this uh, show isn't taking place in like six weeks to wrap up the season. Cause that's kind of like been an <laughs> annual thing for the last nine out of 10 years. But uh, you know, yep. we'll, uh, we'll make it, uh, we'll make it work with this one. Uh, best of luck on Monday and, and let everybody know where we can, uh, where we can catch you uh, on the, in the interim. Well, not a problem. We are at the, the daily Norseman, www.dailynorseman.com. Uh, same uh, on the X or the Twitters or whatever the hell we're calling it now right. that the social media platform. Um, so yeah, we're there and uh, yeah, it should be an interesting game on Monday night uh, or, you know, Tuesday morning or Tuesday afternoon, whenever you finally get to watch <laughs> it when uh, you're done partying with uh, Gene Simmons and the crew. Right. So uh, I, I hope you enjoy the concert and uh, you'll have, you'll have to let everyone know how it goes, but oh, uh, it'll, yeah, it'll, I, uh, I hope be uh, in there. I, I hope you do come home to a Bears loss, but right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy the uh, the show and uh, and everything else. Otherwise, the show will make it go down easier. That's for sure. Because I'll still be buzzing, yes. my ears will be ringing. You know, the whole nine, the whole nine yards. I'll probably be 
all cried out because it's the last time I'm going to see my guys in person, uh, you know, in a, in, in, in their true, the way God intended form, uh, and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, then we'll go back home and, and, uh, you know, throw it on the NFL plus and, uh, and see just how we got to however it ended, uh, on, uh, on, uh, Monday night slash Tuesday, uh, morning. So yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting. And, and, uh, always great to have you on Chris and, uh, I guess we'll talk to you again next year unless you and I can come up with another uh, Vikings-Bears game to do in the uh, Retro Rewind uh, this uh, this winter. So uh, I'll keep an eye out for that and uh, see if we have any worthy candidates that can uh, help us out with that. Oh, I'm, I'm sure we can definitely find something to do during the offseason or getting close to the draft or whatever the case may be. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll definitely make something work between now and then. All right, sounds good. Chris Gates helping us preview Bears-Vikings Week number 12 on Monday Night Football. As always, want to thank Chris Gates for coming on the show. And uh, maybe we'll have one of those weird Soldier Field games in Minneapolis uh, on Monday night, because it just seems like the the weird or the extraordinary has been the uh, the uh, the play of the day when it comes to Josh Dobbs being a part uh, of this team. It has to be interesting and outrageous, and uh, we'll see. Hopefully, uh, Josh Dobbs will be less of a problem for the Bears, uh, but he's 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 he runs a lot better than uh, Cousins did, so it's something that we need to account for. But it also does look like something that Chris and I didn't talk about. Justin Jefferson doesn't look like he's going to play on Monday. So we, it looks like we're going to be able to avoid Justin Jefferson for all of 2023 because he didn't play. That was his first game that he missed was the Bear game uh, in uh, week number six. So uh looks like we're going to avoid him again, and that will be one last thing we have to worry about. But it's still plenty with, uh, uh, with uh, Addison and um, Hawkinson and, and uh, you know, and everything else that they have uh, there, Irv Smith. No, that he's on the Bengals. Sorry, but anyway. So yeah, with Dobbs and and uh, Addison, who are hooking up very well, uh, you know, in their short time uh, together, and Hawkinson is one of the best tight ends in the NFL uh, right now. So uh, hopefully that will be the limit that we have to worry about. But moving on, to keys to the game, so we can wrap things up. Uh, first thing, let's. Uh, Let's continue to mix things up on offense, you know, because the one thing that really bothered me about that first game was that we basically appeared to abandon everything that worked for us against Washington and Denver. And I know that they're different defenses and that, you know, obviously you have a different game plan for every team and the, the, don't even get me started on the blitzing. I've been talking about that for six weeks. Luke Getze didn't look like he knew or cared that we blit that they blitzed as much uh, as they did. They were going to run their offense, and it's just up to Justin Fields to get rid of the ball. And um, to this day, I still marvel at the fact that he said that out loud in front of the press corps. If he says that to Justin Fields in the meeting room, fine. You know, that's fine. That's behind closed doors. When you put that out there for public consumption, you know what it actually sounds like is that like we don't care about a quarterback. We don't care. 
he's we got to run the offense because it's it feels like Nagy all over again. It's like these guys just aren't executing the offense. Well, maybe you need to run something else that they can execute. Did you ever think about that? So I mean, and this was a guy in its introductory press conference that said, "We're going to put our guys in the best position to succeed. We're going to run what they're best suited for. We're going to basically adjust to the team that we have." And that sounded like music to our years after four years of Nagy trying to fit a round peg in a square hole. So, uh, but, you know, then they start going out there, and all of a sudden the ego kicks in. It's like, these plays work. Just run them. So, yeah. But let's continue to mix things up. Let's obviously stick with the run, get those design QB runs for Justin in there. Let's roll out to kind of get away from some of that pressure we know is going to be coming. Let's play action to use the strength of our running game. Let's throw mixing some deep balls and all that kind of stuff. A big test for the offensive line, but the offensive line is as healthy as it's ever been going into this game. So hopefully Lucas Patrick can go in there and play. Otherwise, I don't know why I'm messing around with Dan Feeney. Why isn't Cody Whitehair out there? So yeah, let's go ahead and do that. Um, but anyway, you know, Wright and, uh, Davis on the right side are good to go. Braxton Jones, Tevin Jenkins, everybody's around. Everybody's healthy. We're set to go, man. So let's get them all out there and, you know, let's get them to work. And, uh, yeah, let's see what we got there. Um, Key number two, forget about Sunday. And when I mean forget about Sunday, the Lions game, I mean remove it from your mind completely so there is no inkling of here we go again. I know we're a 3-8 and team. And we found new and creative ways to lose all eight of those games. But you can always get a sense for when things are not going to go your way, when things are starting to go sideways, and you, it permeates on the sidelines. So just forget about it. Forget it ever happened. Just go out there, play the game, roll with the punches. Do not, do not take the punches. Do not let them hurt and or uh, affect you. So don't let here we go again creep into your heads. And part of this game that we love so much is mental. A big part of it, actually. At least 50% of it is mental. So, you know, because you've just seen the team, you know, you know, momentum. Now they start to believe in themselves. All of a sudden they're indestructible. They can beat anybody. We've seen it happen so many times. So don't let it creep into your head. And uh, just forget about Sunday altogether. And then finally... Coach Eberflus, for the love of heavenly God, play to win. Don't play not to lose. We're 3-8. and eight. Practically everyone with a set of eyes and an opinion has your office cleaned out already. What do you have to lose? Take the chance. I just got done watching Dan Campbell go for it on fourth down five times in that game against the Packers. And he's 8 and 3, not 3 and 8. I mean, he's 8 and 3 because those fourth downs didn't work out this week, but this guy's winning. He's playing to win the game. Sometimes it doesn't work out, and as I've said a 100 times already, as in when I've been begging you to be aggressive and blitz, I would much rather watch us get beat off a of blitz than to sit there trying to get home with four when more times than not we don't and getting picked apart in zone coverage. I would much rather watch us go for it on fourth and five and not get it 
than to watch us lay up and take the field goal. Okay? I would, I would much rather watch us go down swinging, especially now at 3-8. and eight. To hell with it, man. Just do it. Just do it. Like I said, everybody's got your office cleaned out already. The only real question now is whether or not Poles is going with you. I don't think he is. I think that there's evidence all over the place that Foles has done a fantastic job. But Uberflus, on the other hand, yeah, that guy, yeah, he's done. Or anyone who you ask about, I have not met one person who thinks that Eberflus deserves to come back next year. I know that, that Poles tore it down to the studs when he took over, you know, especially with last year's team. That's fine. You went 3-14. and 14. Nobody was calling for your job last year. Nobody. Because we were seeing players out there giving maximum effort and just coming up short because we knew we didn't have the horses yet. Well, Poles went out and got them for you. He went out and got you a whole stable full of them. And this team, top to bottom, is so much better than it was last year. So that's why everybody's calling for your job. Everybody wants to fire Getsy because nothing has seemed to change, even with this extra talent that we didn't have a year ago. <laughs> that, that falls on you, bro. That falls on you. So what have you got to lose? Play to win. Play to win. Nobody's going to be mad at you. Everybody expects you to lose the goddamn game anyway. So what have you got to lose? Go out there. Go for it on fourth down. Run a fake punt. Surprise onside. Who gives a shit? Just go out there and do it, man. You've got nothing to lose. Throw caution to the wind. These last six games, you're playing for your job, man. You are absolutely playing for your job. And it's going to take all six of them in order to save it. Honestly, you got to win them all if you want to be a head coach of the Bears in 2024. So caution to the wind. Do it. Who knows? Maybe something great will happen. And if you don't, at least you tried. At least you're selling to the fan base and even to the people in the front office. You're trying to win the game. Okay, because I can tell you, right here, right now, you do something on fourth down or you do something crazy or whatever and it doesn't work out, no, I'm not going to like it. But you know what I am going to like? That you tried. Because I've been watching you for... One season and two-thirds of a season now, not try. You're playing not to lose. It's the one thing I can't stand when it comes to defensive coaches. They get conservative at the end of the game because they have the mentality that our defense can stop them. So we'll take the points here. We'll put it on the defense. It's like, well, granted the defense has been playing better over the last several weeks, but you know what would make it easier? If you scored another touchdown, then it's a three-score game. Now you really can lean on the defense because they can afford to make a mistake. God forbid. They'll be playing with confidence because they know that they can't lose it on one play. What have you got to lose, man? Like I said, everyone with a brain has got your office cleared out already. Okay? So just go out there and do it. Caution to the wind. You know, as they say, bro, fuck it. Just go out and do it. Take the chance. If you lose, whatever. They expect you to lose anyway. I would much rather watch us lose going down fighting 
than to do what we did on Sunday and just watch them take it from us like that. You know, God forbid the same thing happens on Monday with Minnesota and they come back and take it from us. I want them to pry it out of our cold, dead fingers than watch them to watch us hand it over like we did to the. We made that so easy at the end of the game for them. So easy. Hey, if you're going to go down, go down hard. Make them absolutely rip it out of our hands as opposed to them just stealing candy from a baby, man. Please, for the love of God, just make it make us believe that you're actually trying out there. Okay? Sell it to us. You want us on your side? That's what you have to do. Look like you're actually trying to win, that you're playing to win instead of this playing not to lose nonsense. Lovey did it from time to time. It drove me batshit insane when he did that too. So did John Fox, and I can list off a handful of examples how Fox pissed it away. That one Green Bay game towards the end of the season, he kicks the field goal or or kicks the extra point to tie it rather than going for two to take the lead. He get yeah. Yeah. And then what what do the Packers do? The Packers play to win. The next thing you know, Jordy Nelson catches the ball about 70 yards downfield because the Packers aren't done playing football yet. Sets them up for a field goal. Green Bay wins. Now, granted, that may have happened anyway, but <laughs> they would have needed to do it because the Packers could have just kneeled on it. We go to overtime, and then we'll see what happens there. But no, they're like, man, we don't want to go for We don't want to play for overtime. We want to get the hell out of here. So we're going to throw the ball for Jordy Nelson. He'll be wide open. He'll catch it. We'll kick the field goal, and then we'll go back home. Then we'll get out of here. Then we'll go home. And that's exactly what happened. So granted, it may have happened anyway. 2016, we were a pretty crappy football team. But at least they would have needed to do it. And that may have put on the pressure that they come up short. Who knows? But we'll never know because Fox didn't do it. He played not to lose instead of playing to win, and we lost the damn game. And nothing makes me crazier. Nothing makes me crazier than playing not to lose, getting picked apart, when instead of being aggressive and, and you know, taking what's yours instead of taking what they give you. The hell with that. So that's what I want. Those are the keys. That's the show. Come back on Monday for the fourth phase review. And then on Tuesday, I'll let you know how the show was, if you give a shit, and I will tell you, did the Bears win? Did they play to win? Did they play not to lose? Did they lose the game? All of that and then some. We back to talk about it all. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.